When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's special guest, we have Grant Britton. Hey, Grant. Hi. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for joining us. Good. 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 Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So for our listeners who may not know you, Grant, can you kind of give us a background on yourself and how you got started in photography? Well, I uh, huh. I started in taking photos in 1979, and uh, I worked at the Del Mar Skate Ranch and just borrowed a roommate's camera and started shooting the pros and the locals that were coming through. And it just kind of took off, you know. I, I, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an understatement, I feel like. Yeah, it just, I was already into art and everything. I was taking art in college and and, uh, and I had taken it in high school. I started shooting photos and just realizing how great of a hobby it was. And mm. then in a uh, couple of years later, I went into the darkroom with a friend and uh, and printed some of my black and whites that I had been developing and I had never, I didn't own a loop. I didn't own a light table. Yeah. I was just kind of holding negatives up against the, you know, up to the sun and looking mm-hmm. at them and not knowing what I was doing. I wasn't making any prints. I didn't have any money. And uh, <laughs> so then I went in the dark room and the, I just, you know, blew my mind. And uh, the next day I changed all my art classes to photo classes and just took three, three photo classes, you know, like the next day I changed my major pretty much. <laughs> and uh, so, and then the la- next couple of years I went to Palomar College uh, in San Marcos, California and just took every photo class I could take. And mm. I mean, it was really, really great. But, and then I had a couple of really great teachers and, and then I pulled that all into my skateboard photography too. But I had never shot photos before skateboarding. Oh, so. That's crazy that it all started from a borrowed camera. <laughs> I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. And then I ran out and bought a new camera. Well, I bought a used Minolta from uh, some little shop in San Diego. And a friend of mine that was already into photography took me there. And, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know about f-stops or shutter speeds. or I mean, I was just shooting haphazardly. And I'm not a very technical person. So mm-hmm. mm. I really had to have everything explained to me. And it didn't really all come together until I got into college. Yeah. I like when it clicks. That moment is... We have talked about that a couple times on the show. Just like I remember messing around with strobes and stuff like that. And it all kind of just was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That now, mm-hmm. now I get it. And it makes things so much easier when you know what you're doing. I was going to say I can relate to like trying to take every photo class there was. I was in the community college and there was one. There was one darkroom class. And then oh, really? I was like, okay, can I, t- can I take it again? And they were like, no, you already passed it. You can't like take it again. <laughs> you should have flunked it. Yeah, I know. I yeah. should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man. It's funny. So what were you, were you going to school to kind of backtrack a little bit before the whole photography thing? Was it was it like painting? Were you trying? Were, are you a painter? Do you still paint? Do you still I was mess around draw, a lot that? of drawing and and, drawing. Uh, and life drawing and and uh, car- cartooning. I thought I might go into cartooning. Oh, I look back cool. at it now and I go, I wasn't very good at it. So <laughs> and then photography just was it was. You know, it was quicker and there was that instant gratification and I liked the way it was. It was like magic to me mm-hmm. going in the dark yeah. room. Yeah. I mean, it was it just, you know, that you could do that with chemicals. And then I really got into the history part of it. And I was taking a, a history of photography class and and then I was taking a color slide class and a, bl- a basic black and white darkroom class. And, you know, I just I mean, I was there every day mm-hmm. and, you know, from the time they opened in the morning till the time they, you know, closed and 
and then I was working at the skate park in the evening still. And, and um, that was all before, you know, the magazine started and everything. When did that start? When did that come into fruition? Well, in, in 1983, Larry Balma, who owned uh, Tracker Trucks, came to me. And I'd had a couple of things in Thrasher back in the early 80s. I think they started in 81 uh, when they needed something from down south, you know, because they, they were up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They would call me. They just knew me as being the guy that worked at the skate park, and then I was I was the manager at the skate park in the pro oh, cool. the pro That's shop. A perfect connection. Yeah. So people, <laughs> they would start calling me because they, you know, uh, Thrasher and Indy sponsored people in uh, San Diego, and then they would call me to you know get a shot of Billy Ruff or or uh, somebody like that for Thrasher, and I probably had maybe six photos done in Thrasher, and then. I knew Larry Bama from working at the skate park, and then he asked me to give him some photos for a, uh, a newsletter, air mm-hmm. quotes, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and then invited me up a couple months later, and I went up and saw this magazine laid out on the wall, and this is the, this is the days of you know paste up before computers, everything yeah. was hands on, paste up work, and I mean it was totally different than now, you know, and we didn't know how to do magazines, so I just got more and more involved in Transworld from the first issue. And then eventually I quit my, like a year later, quit working at the skate park and just was the photo editor and set up a dark room at the magazine. And I pretty much just set it up how Palomar's dark room was because that's the only dark room I'd ever worked in. Even my dark room now or the one I work in now is set up like Palomar, you know, from over 30 years ago. Yeah, I guess you get kind of stuck not stuck i hate saying stuck because you're not stuck but like when you know i i do the same every time i set up i do like a little mobile darkroom thing i haven't done it in a while but i'll bring in like an enlarger and trays and all that stuff and i always have no matter where i am i always set it up the same way because you kind of have your own routine with things it's a part of it i feel mm-hmm. like the ritual is a part of the whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we uh we have a new dark room we have a collaborative out in escondido called the photographer's eye collaborative photo or photographer's eye collaborative and uh it's a gallery and a dark room and the dark room oh, just got that. done and i went into the, there the other day to work in it for the first time and one little thing threw me off and it was that <laughs> The um, timer for the enlarger was on the wrong side. On the right. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm used to having it on the left side because I'm right-handed and I mm-hmm. need to do- yeah. dodge and burn with my right hand. And it was set up the opposite and it was just bugging the crap out of me. <laughs> I mean, it just like blew me away. And then I sent Donna, who's th- – these are all ex-Palomar uh, people, the, the head of Palomar College's um, photo department retired and she wanted to have like a – public dark room yeah you know, that's that. awesome and so she started this thing up and and it's a really great dark room and uh but that one little thing i asked her if she was left-handed and she goes why and i go oh because the, the timer's <laughs> on the wrong side and it bugged the crap out of me so yeah and then she never even she didn't notice it she hadn't worked in the dark room yet so <laughs> so I knew the next time I was going to go in, I was going to switch everything See? around. Swap it back. Yeah. 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 So I, I guess that means that you're still in the darkroom printing then. That was one of my questions mm-hmm. that, I, that well, I had for you. you. You still do a lot of printing or? Not a lot. Um, not I, a lot. I had a darkroom two years ago. I closed down my darkroom that I had. I was part of another art group called uh, the Artist Odyssey. And we had this extra room. We were getting free rent for a couple of years. And mm. I put all the trans, I got all of Transworld's darkroom stuff when they Whoa. shut awesome. down their darkroom. Somebody, I didn't even work there anymore. And somebody called me and uh, asked me if I wanted the darkroom equipment. It was like a Bessler and larger and all, I mean, really great equipment. And they were just going to take it to a garage or like to a thrift store or something. And I uh. said, oh, no, I'll grab it. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I loaned it out to a couple of people over the years, and I finally got a darkroom space like four, three or four years ago. I set it up and worked in it for probably a year and a half before we lost the building, and uh. now it's sitting in my garage. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, in storage in my garage. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a piece of history, though. Mm. You need to we need to put that somewhere. I know. Yeah. <laughs> do, you th- do you think you'll set it up again in your garage or? 
Uh, I don't have room in my garage. Yeah. So I, I'm part of this collaborative and we have our own building and, and it's a much better dark room too. I, I mean, yeah. I was like, mine was full budget and, you know, yeah. no plumbing and I had to... I had to take everything into the kitchen to yeah, wash gonna, it. And. My my first dark room was under the stairs at my parents' house, and like, you know, I had to run upstairs and rinse it, rinse, rinse everything. Like being in a dark room with with running water is like a dream. Yeah, so that's how the new one is, and and it's really it's really nice. So, I just went in there a week or so ago and printed about ten prints of one negative, and then I started selling those on online in my shop just to and it was a negative from 1987 so oh, man. i hadn't that. i hadn't printed it since then you know wow i mean i printed it uh digitally and stuff but not right. you know, yeah yeah not from the dark room man yeah i'd love to see some of the stuff that i've shot I, I i haven't done any wet prints in a long time i really need to i keep saying that that i'm gonna get back to doing it but it's just such a such a damn process yeah. <laughs> to yeah. get everything loaded yeah. into the bathroom, the lights set up, block out the curtains. Like, do oh man, it's just well. And kids, they don't know, you know. Yeah. Kids, yeah, yeah. But now it's popular, you know. Like the high school that my kids went to school here at Encinita, San Diego. I sit on the board. They're like a, a advisory board there. Oh, okay. And for the photo department and a couple other high schools and Palomar College, I'm actually on the on their advisory board now. And uh, yeah, every year there's like, should we keep the dark room? And we're like, like yes. <laughs> we're all old people. And we just go, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, keep the dark room. You know, and, and kids now, you know, it's it's uncool. A lot of them only want to shoot analog stuff or, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Yeah. So they don't want to shoot with a digital camera. So it's it's pretty cool. I meet more and more kids like that. You know, at first when I started, I was on the board there or being a uh, mentor or whatever, I'd ask, how many people have worked in a, have shot film and like one person? Yeah. Now it's oh, like man. you see a lot more. and Yeah. Even walking around downtown here, I see a ton more mm-hmm. kids walking around with, you know, Minolta's and Canon AE1's and stuff and... Hasselblad's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids are buying Hasselblad's and, and Leica's because I think their parents are just cashing them out and yeah yeah Yeah. it's weird when i see kids with hasselblads and i go wow that's pretty insane yeah took me years to get one yeah i still have mine and i i even i still have my 30 millimeter lens too for shooting skating so wow back then you know um medium format took over skateboard photography back in the 90s late 90s and uh late 90s and then into early 2000s before digital got you know good enough to you know be in the magazine but yeah yeah so everybody had to run out and get a four to four to six thousand dollar fisheye for it Jeez. yeah mine was like five grand i think it was like man and so I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> no, hold on no, to that. Uh-uh. <laughs> I wonder what those go for now. I need to look that up because it's it's funny because we had uh, last our last episode, we had Jason Lee on and he was talking mm-hmm. about the the Mamiya RZ67 system of how expensive it was mm-hmm. when he bought it back when like, you know, that's what people used. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not that they're not using them now, but when he was buying it at cost when they were popular to what you can pick things up for now. Because I mean... I know a lot of people didn't shoot Hassies back then because they were so expensive. It was yeah. just such like a premium quality thing. I mean, now you can get a a body for, you know, five to seven hundred bucks mm-hmm. or something like that. And that's that's pretty cheap. I mean, yeah. 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 You can get a lens and a body for, you know, like under fifteen hundred bucks now. Yeah. You know, back in the day it was just so expensive and and I, but everybody had to have one if you weren't shooting. Yeah. And me as a photo editor, you know, I just we even changed, when we started this after Transworld, when we started the skateboard mag, we even changed the format of the magazine to fit Hasselblad better. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a little cool. wider and, and uh, it was more square. You know, it was still, you know, a, a rectangular format, but it was yeah. it was a little on the wide side, you know, and it was to handle the square format. Yeah, you don't want to crop yeah. anything. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that with the Transworld stuff. Like, if you guys did a lot of cropping with the images, I guess you had to to fit 
kind of like a full page spread you'd have to crop the image down because yeah. it's square obviously yeah yeah we did uh you know full bleeds you know full page bleeds and mm-hmm. and bleed bleeded um spreads and yeah you had to you know i always shot so tight you know i was always you'd shoot for a cover you'd shoot a certain way oh this is for the cover yeah. so you'd have to leave room at the top for the logo oh yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah so uh and back then you had all the cover blurbs and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you got to get your hot, you know, in the 80s, you needed all your hot pink and yeah. and uh, <laughs> splashes and drip paint and everything. So, yeah, you shot differently, yeah. you know, for different things. If it was for a spread, you would try to, you would try not to put the action in the middle because you didn't want the person in the gutter of the yeah, magazine yeah. and, and, uh, you try to have them on either the left or the right side, and, and uh, yeah, you did shoot a certain way back then. It makes me makes me think of like shooting bands for MySpace, like shooting yeah. to make sure they had like room for their logo on the side and stuff like that. It's kind of funny. Or now it's everything's horizontal for online, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and true. Like yeah. I, you know, with skating, you shoot for different tricks or different kinds of skating. It's vertical or horizontal. I mean, if, lots of times if you you're shooting for online, everything's shot so loose, you know, Yes. because of the horizontal format. And people, you know, I, I get asked by clients, you know, for more horizontal. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. compositionally, it doesn't always work. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I always cringe when I see when I see video shot that way. I'm just like, no, it's not meant to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, Grant, when you were um, the photo editor, were you still shooting or were you, did you kind of like you know, switch into the photo editor mode? No, I was always shooting. And I I think that's the way in, in uh, like action sports is, you know, snowboard, surfing, skating, photo editors shoot photos too. Oh, cool. And they write and, you know, it's, um, yeah, I never quit shooting. My, My main thing was photography and photo editing. I was just trying to pick the best photos and work with the art director and work with the writers and, and then I started sending people out, you know, I, there were things I liked to shoot. And then there were things that I didn't like to shoot, mm-hmm. you know, when it got yeah. to where it was, you know, the, it was street skating and the sweaty van tour. I didn't really <laughs> want to go yeah, on some yeah. of those. I wanted to go on, <laughs> I wanted to go on the good trips. So I didn't do a lot of the grunt work. I saw, and then I got to where, as I got older, I started shooting a lot more, you know, locally and, you know, in San Diego and I got... And I kind of got tired of driving to L.A. and not getting anything. During the uh, the street skating of like the 90s, um, I mean, it's all street skating now, but um, yeah. the 90s, it got really, you know, it got a lot more um, illegal and, you know, there were more cops and more security guards. And you'd drive up to L.A., you know, start shooting and then you get kicked out and then drive all the way back. You know, we're 100 miles oh, from man. L.A., so, yeah, my weekends were taken up for 20 years. <laughs> and, wow. you know, meanwhile, I was, we were having kids and I, I finally, when I hit 50, I just went, you know what? I don't want to shoot street skating anymore. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, you come to, you know, I figured I had shot everything good that I was going to shoot and then just got to leave it to the young mm-hmm. photographers and because they, they've still got that fire you know, lit underneath them, you know, and they're still trying to make their way in, in photography and they don't mind going through all that. You know, I got to where I started to get, um, I started to get a little, uh, salty about it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and now I'm 63. I just shoot, you know, photos that I want to shoot, you know, that's a good place to be. Are you tied to any publication now? Like, do you, do you work for a magazine at all? I mean, I know there's only like one left, isn't there? Or <laughs> Yeah, I, I well, I did Transworld for 20 years. And then yeah, in yeah. 2003, a group of us quit Transworld when, uh, because of the whole Time Warner thing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we started the Skateboard Mag. And so it was with Dave Swift and Kevin Wilkins and Atiba and Akko Jefferson and, and uh, a few other people. And we did that magazine till 2015. And indep- doing an independent magazine got, it was like a nightmare, you mm-hmm. know, when you're trying to be 
independent. We weren't taking outside advertising. Yeah. Um, the rule on our advertising was they had to have a skate team. We didn't want to take any. Oh, we that's weren't, awesome. We weren't that's taking cool. drink companies unless they had a skate team. Yeah. But it was mainly skateboarding. And then hard goods got hit really hard, you know, like trucks and wheels and boards. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for them. And we were doing really well in the beginning, it was starting in 2004. And then when the um, when 2008 hit, you know, and the and the the crash, yeah. I mean, it got yeah. it got harder and harder. And we had to, but we we had a good business model where you have to change the quality of the paper and you have to change the size of the paper and you know you've got a ratio of ads to editorial and we stuck with that and then we had an offer uh, to buy the magazine and we sold it and then that lasted a couple of years and then. I got laid off and a few other people had been laid off over time. And yeah, now, you know, magazines, I'm not working for any magazine. I, I, I contribute to magazines and not to, yeah. I don't, I don't contribute to Thrasher. I just haven't had an offer, but I contribute to other magazines, foreign magazines. I'm working with a English magazine called um, Same Old, which Same is old. Okay. kind of a print to order magazine, but it's really about history of photography and, and, or skate photography. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a cool magazine, and it, the guy it just comes out when they can get it out. You know, oh, that's so. But I'm I'm relicensing photos, and you know, I work with Vans and Nixon and some other companies. I feel like it, just hearing you talk about you know the skateboard mag, like how how independent and stuff like that. Like just even me putting together like a forty page zine mm-hmm. <laughs> is is mm-hmm. like a complete pain in the ass. So I couldn't <laughs> even imagine putting together like a full blown magazine, especially having such like I didn't know that. I didn't realize that you guys didn't take, you know, like Mountain Dew and crazy well, not, I don't even know if they have a skate team. I feel like they do. They sponsor everything all the time. Mm-hmm. But um that's a really cool idea to keep it kind of, you know, real. Well, that's... It gets advertising is so crazy because I mean, even with this podcast and stuff, we deal with stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it's like, ugh, mm-hmm. like there's a line, and it's, <laughs> and it's weird, and yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it at Transworld, it just got to where you were you were making excuses, you know. Well, mm. with these all these ads, we get to put more editorial pages in sure. the magazine, but yeah. there's times when, um, I think when the AOL uh, disc got dropped into the magazine. No we, way. Whoa. I don't even remember that. <laughs> remember when you'd get an AOL yeah, disc? Oh, yeah. Come to our oh, house. Yeah. 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 That got dropped, inserted into the magazine, and we didn't even know about it until it came <gasps> out. And then, and you know, because they were in New York, we're in Oceanside, California. And uh, so then um, one of our editors, Eric Sintianen, apologized to the readers in the editorial of the next man oh, man, and wow. almost lost his job. And, and, and it just, it just got, and then they fired some people that, that, uh, they fired, uh, our publisher at the time. And he was kind of the last, he was a friend of ours and he was kind of the wall between us and New York and corporate. And that's when we seriously started thinking of finding a new Mac, you know, doing our own magazine. And you're always, you know, what's funny about corporate is that, and I'm not totally anti-corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. There are good things. I mean, like health insurance and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not totally anti-corporate. I do. I did love, like, you know, at Time Warner, you get pretty much got free medical. I think I paid, Ugh. you know, oh, $14 a month or something crazy like that. So, I like that part of it. But um, they people above you try to tell you, you, they make you believe that you can't do things mm-hmm. on your own and yeah they would oh you couldn't do a magazine by yourself and then when we when we resigned um the guy that was it was some this guy he was a suit that they put in he was the the wall yeah well no yeah. he was the leaky wall and uh <laughs> and he he said you know that day after we quit they told us um or he told our old co-workers that yeah, I wish those guys all the best of luck, but they'll be out of business in six months, you know? Wow. So, and we heard about that because we still had friends over there and everything. Sure. But yeah. So, they, they just try to make you believe that you can't do it. And and then I became the production manager. And, and you know, when you're working with a printer and, and there's customer service people, they want you to put out a good magazine. So, 
I just told him that I was a dumbass photographer, you know, and that I didn't know anything about about producing a magazine. I knew how to pick photos and but I always had some somebody over my head, you know, just like and you can't I would get written up for uh like jumping the chain of command and things like that, you know. Because you're trying to do things and you're tired of waiting for someone and sure. then you just yeah. go, oh, you yeah. go and do it and, and you know I'm you know and we're skateboarders you know we we don't want to be told what to do sure so. no. yeah not at all yeah and you can do it you can do a magazine and we did it from 2004 to you know 2016 so and then the I love economy that, and and well the state of of magazines and and social media and everything just killed it. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say it. That's kind of like when you get in your head about anything. Like you you just think like, oh, well, I can't do that because it's like this and this and this. And I just love hearing you say like, yes, you can. You can do it. You know. That's, yeah. Well, I still tell kids that. You know, kids yeah. want. I I do a lot of talks at schools and mm-hmm. you know high schools and in college, and I don't know what to tell kids anymore. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They, they, I want to be a magazine photographer, and you're like, uh, well, yeah. You, guess you better start your own magazine. Yeah, right, yeah. right, sure. You know, how can I, you know, how can I break into it? I don't know what to say anymore. Yeah. You know, when I started, there were four photographers, and now there's thousands, and sure, I mean, everybody's got a camera in their pocket, so mm-hmm. and which take really good pictures. Yeah, they so, do. Yeah. Oh, those filters and everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always tell kids to just think of something new, go to large format, you know, just yeah. the things that stood out in my mind. It was like, I don't know if you know Brian Gaberman. Yeah, I know the name. Yeah, he, yeah. Was a, he was a skate photographer and then he left and he was kind of an art, art photographer for a while. And then he came back to skateboarding and he brought large format and it had a different mm. look. You know, he was shooting with, you know, you know field cameras and things he was shooting skating yeah, with it yeah. and and medium format and he really had a different look and so i always you know told people to look at his work you know mainly kids you know mm-hmm. and try to think of something different a different way to shoot and then there's the whole what i like about analog is the craft part of it and it's not fast yeah. it's not immediate Agreed. there you you screw up a lot you know yeah. and that's just part of the process I love that. Yeah, I love that advice. I heard you talk about, I forget what interview it was. I I was like, before we even got to all meet up at the, the film photography Padilla, like I was, mm-hmm. you know, a fan of your work. I love skateboarding, grew up into skateboarding and stuff like that. And you were talking about shooting, uh, you wish that they, uh, Type 55 film kind of never left. And I'm one of those people too. Like I'm completely obsessed with that film and I still buy like, you know, $200 boxes that have never been opened and then I try it and it's dried out and <laughs> I'm just like no because I'm just so yeah. into it it has something that you know no other film had so did you do a lot of portraits with that stuff or what were you mostly shooting with Ma- mainly portraits I shot portraits, portraits and yeah. then I shot like I I listened to a little bit of Jason Lee and he was talking about how Polaroid was the pre-digital and that's how yeah. you, that's yeah. a lot of times that's how we used Polaroid. And I had one for my Hasselblad and one for my four by five. And so a lot of it was you'd go to shoot and uh, I'd usually use for work stuff. I'd use color, usually mm-hmm. color Polaroid because I'm usually shooting it you know, on uh, Velvia. And, yeah. uh, and then with the four by five, I shot mainly portraits and, and a little bit of small product stuff, and but you used that before you switched over to film, you know, just to see how it looked. And and a few people used, you know, a few skate photographers used Polaroid, you know, Type fifty five, and um, that's what I usually used was Type fifty five. I just love that yeah. film, and that you get a negative with it, and mm-hmm. and it's not perfect, and. But the tones are so nice on it. I mean, they're beautiful. You know? So, and I have a bunch now, but it's dried out. And I tested it. I was thinking <laughs> that it was my. I thought my Polaroid back was messed up, and so uh, I walked. Yeah. I went over to my friend's house locally, and we got his out. And then I realized it was just all dried up. And oh, yeah, man. but I did find some outdated uh, Portra 
so I, I shot a couple of portraits of him and, and, uh, with that and, and, uh, and that was the last time I shot four by five was a few months ago. Really? No, if they still made the Polaroid, I'd, I'd love to use it some more. That film was unbelievable. Mm. It really was. I mean, it was just, it's especially the, the negative, like I love the, like the, the frame lines and the little circles that you get on yeah. top. And mm. it's just like such a cool, yeah. cool thing. And like, I, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was too young for that time. I just didn't, I wasn't there, you know, like yeah. I, I got into photography again, like later in life. I did, I did it in high school and, you know, had a point and shoot camera with friends and stuff like that. And a, <laughs> and a little like Casio digital camera and stuff, but it mm-hmm. didn't really click until like my third attempt of life moving to Tennessee and trying something different. And, you know, it, it just kind of fell on my lap and where did you move from? Uh, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, oh, okay. like right in the middle, right in the middle of the, the state, like Hershey, Lebanon, mm-hmm. Lancaster area, kind of an hour away from Philadelphia. Spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in Philly growing up, you know, skating, living, just doing yeah. a bunch of stuff there. But <laughs> yeah, it's just the the South seemed a little more enjoyable. I mean, it's, it's way more hot and humid here than back there, but yeah. um, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but those those were the days that I think you just tried every film that came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there yeah. was this period where we shot all T Max thirty two hundred, you know. Where, yeah, and we could do sequences. We'd turn our flashes way down, and they would recycle fast enough to do you know evening and nighttime and indoor sequences. And but we we shot every film that came out. A lot of people don't know about Polaroid the thirty five millimeter. Polaroid film was yeah yeah unreal mm-hmm. and you got a little mm-hmm. you had the little developing thing and and yeah uh, with the pods I've been digging out a few of those it. lately yeah yeah wow yeah and Scala we were shooting Scala and you know we just shot everything I don't know that yeah what Scala film Agfa it's a oh, big, okay okay yeah black and white slide film and it's amazing for projection it doesn't look real good. Um, Printed in a magazine, it comes out kind of, uh, kind of gray, you know, uh, flat. Mm. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but it's great for projection. I'd use it in slideshows, and it was amazing. So yeah, that was another film that was, you know, and then back when I started, there was recording film and Tech Pan and and Panatomic X and and Plus X and you know, and then I got hooked on uh, Triax. Pretty much, have shot that my whole career. Pretty much. It's a good one. It's a yeah. good film. <laughs> Would you say that you're predominantly a color shooter or were you kind of like split down the middle, mm-hmm. like half and half with black and white and color? It was split down the middle. Well, it had a lot to do with weather too. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Sunny days, you shot color and and foggy overcast days, you shot black and white. Um, yeah. And even now, like I, I used to hate overcast days back then because I'd want to get color shots for the magazine. Right. And then now it's, I convert a lot of my stuff, you know, digitally to black and white just because it, you know, I don't mind overcast days now because there's no shadows. Yeah. It's easy to shoot. Mm-hmm. I underexpose a little and then, and then open it up in Photoshop and, and, uh, it, and I can get a good look to it, you know, where people have asked if it's film. You can't, you can't fool Ray Barbie, but. Um, I would send him digital photos and go, is this digital or film? He goes, dude, you can't fool me. I never did. That's so crazy. And I I heard you talking too on another, I wanted to talk about a little bit when uh, like shooting sequencing and film, because, you know, film isn't, isn't like it was, you know, like that's what you had was film. So you had to shoot Mm -hmm. like skateboarding sequences and film. And like now, you know, the prices of film have gone up so much that, you know, shooting a sequence on film is basically just like wasting one whole roll. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it just cracked me up that you were saying in the interview about like how you were, you were the old man, like stepping up for digital, like when you should have been the one that was like, you know, why aren't you shooting film? You were kind of just like, well, no, man, shooting sequences on a digital camera makes way more sense and saves so much money that, you know, and I get it. A lot of people get so angry about digital, like the whole film versus digital thing. And it's like, there is, you know, digital is definitely a a great tool. And 
for like sports photography. Could you imagine like shooting a football game on like <laughs> a roll of film like right Ooh. now? Because I, I remember I was on a football stadium one time and they were this was still during the, the film days. We were all down on the field like watching an Eagles game. We got invited on the field and. Uh, just the photographers, like their quick load, they had like five yeah. cameras on them and they were just like, like just blowing through cartridges of film. I, my dad was just like, look at all the, like the film cartridges on the ground, like the empties. And mm-hmm. it's like shells of bullets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It was. Yeah. It was funny. De- but, dead, yeah. Well, with beers, you call them dead soldiers. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, beer cans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know this guy, uh, Don Morale. I was. I'm always in these little groups of people mm. and uh, I was in a group, the Lucadia Photo Works and Lucadia is a little town here in Encinitas and this guy, Don Morella, who's a, a sports photographer, I mean, he's really great, but he was telling me that they used to shoot sporting events and then they'd have, they'd have to go into it like a dark bag and develop their film there. Wow. Yeah. And uh-huh. then send it to AP or UPI or whoever, like right after the game was over. Wow. And they just, I mean, it was crazy. Now you just go to a computer or, or Wi-Fi it or yeah, wirelessly know. send yeah. it now. Yeah. And back then he was telling me you had to do it all by hand. What I did like about film back during the magazine days, we go to a contest someplace and then we're on a trip and we didn't develop our photos till we got back you know yeah and so you might be gone two weeks and then you take a hundred rolls of film i'd go to europe and shoot a hundred rolls of film and i'd take them in and i didn't know you know i I remember losing rolls Mm -hmm. like where's that one roll and and or the dark room messes up your roll you know that my dark room guy would like he lost four rolls once from germany and I, I saw that they were checked in on the log, and then I don't know what happened to them. They went into the trash Never made it or past something. That. That's uh, I'm feeling like a little anxiety hearing you talk about that. Just yeah. like, <laughs> well, you never <laughs> knew what you had, you know, back in yeah. those days. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, shoots I did where I had to shoot stuff over again, like two or three times. You know, guy skaters wearing black. It's at night. Dark rounds black and. Oh, you they see just his look hands. Like a yeah, head. got a floating yeah. head there. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you got to go back and shoot it and make sure they have the right clothes on, or you light it differently. You know, uh, back that's when we started shooting multiple flashes. You know, early, you know, late seventies, early eighties, you shot one flash on your camera, and then we started using pocket. You know, uh, well, like Ween slaves, and and mm-hmm. and then we never shot. It, it was bad to shoot on camera flash. Um, you always tried to get the flash off your mm-hmm. camera, off the, yeah. and we started using two and three, two and three flashes for a shot, and just to you know pop out the skater, you know, kind of backlight them a little bit, light up the background, anything to pop them out. Yeah. And then yeah. when then when we discovered, you know, I was shooting a lot of Kodachrome, and then all when uh, we discovered Fuji, and that was even better for you know, magazine work, it was just, you know, the colors were just so accentuated and, and, you know, reds popped and blues popped. And I mean, for magazine work, Fuji was great. And people go, what about skin tones? And I go, I don't care about skin tones. It's about, (laughs) it's about skateboarding, you know, I'm not doing, not doing baby portraits. I'm just like (laughs) picturing these like elaborate setups that you guys would have. And then like not being able to like see if you got it right away. But it wasn't elaborate as far as it wasn't like studio gear. You know, sure. we were using, you know, sun packs and Vivitars yeah. and mm-hmm. just and it was to get in and get out fast because the cops are on their way. And right, it, right. It's, it's a lot of like underground photography, you know, and tell people don't skate until I get set up because because mm-hmm. otherwise you get kicked out and I'm not even set up. You know, I got to set up, you know, at least two lights and then. You know, find the angle and get ready. And, and uh, now it's it's so much easier, you know, in the digital world to take those mm-hmm. photos and see what you have. And it's it's a lot easier. Yeah. And it, it just Love made that. me kind of lazy, too. You know, you get. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, because you can just fix up stuff in post. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, mm-hmm. you'd be shooting in the studio and 
you'd shoot a Polaroid and then, oh, notice you've got glare on a shiny surface or whatever and you got to get rid of it. You might set up, you know, for hours in the studio for a shot and now it's just, you know, you can yep. just fix it up, you know, mm-hmm. in post. So That's so true. So it was harder back then. Yeah, I could only imagine. There was one thing I wanted to say, Grant, when when um, you were at uh, the Darkrooms Film Paidea and we kind of got to see your like presentation, um, I thought it was really amazing to like see a body of work from like the beginning to where it is now. And like for me, I've kind of did weddings for a while, then I did, you know, set photography for a while, I've done like this and this and this. So my work's kind of all over the place. I really love that like your work is like so, I don't know, your work. Um, do you have like a favorite like aspect of your body of work or like a time period that's your favorite? Well, I, I think I always say like when I was learning, you know, in like the 80s, is I called it the golden age of skateboarding, you know, the mm. 80s when I was working at Del Mar and there were still a few skate parks there and there were maybe 30 pro skaters at the time and nobody cared about skateboarding outside of skateboarding. And, uh, right. and then with the magazine starting and I was able to get free film and, and, uh, and free gear and start going on trips. Um, that was probably my favorite time. And that's not even the time when I was making, I mean, I was working at the magazine, but I wasn't making a great living. You know, I, you know, I slept on the pool table at Del Mar for eight months wow. as night security. <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, I, I was living out of the back room, out of boxes, and for eight months, and 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 we'd go on trips, and we'd be pulling, the, we'd have eight people in a hotel room, and we'd be pulling the beds apart, and you know, half the people slept on the the um, box springs, and the other half got the mattress, and there's a guy sleeping in the bathtub, <laughs> oh, and um, you know, it's like there was that. no money. You got, you know, that was before per diem, really. Oh, geez. The first contest I drove, we rented this, uh, it was Ugly Dugly, Ugly Dugly, Ugly Duckling uh, car rentals. And it was, it looked like the station wagon from Vacation with the wood siding. <laughs> I swear to oh, God, yeah, yeah. It, it was identical to that with the wood <laughs> siding. And we drove up, there was probably six of us in the, in the station wagon. And the first night we all slept sitting up in the car. Uh, and then, man. and then after that, we were sleeping in, you know, trying to go to sleep. And there's a raging party going on in the same house. And you know, we didn't have hotels or anything. I think I had seven rolls of film, and I had, I think I had ten dollars. So you just eat wow. at Taco Bell and 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 then stay at people's houses, Jeez. or you know. <laughs> so you, you you learn a lot about travel and about people and. And then hopefully as you get older and you're more successful, you don't complain as much because you, mm-hmm. know, you know how the, back in the day it was. Yeah, you, know? you paid your dues. Yeah. When we got credit cards at the magazine, that's when I, was, I knew I had made it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you're on your way to Europe yeah. and, and stuff like that. So That's incredible. But yeah, that, that era, the 80s, I really love. I love what's going on now because it's just changing so fast. And, you know, like I talked about doing the magazine all paste up, then computers started. And then so I had to learn. And then later on, I had to learn Photoshop. And then I had to learn digital. And, and I was able to learn everything over <clears throat> just, a you know, like a span. I didn't have to learn everything at once. You right. Know? Because I, I don't think I could learn all that stuff if I had if I was picking it up just now. I don't. It'd be so hard to pick up all that stuff and mm-hmm. and then social media on top of it. And I mean, it's pretty pretty crazy. It is. We'll be right back with a couple questions for Grant right after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to polaroidoriginals.com and use the offer code Analog Talk Ten at checkout to receive ten percent off your next purchase. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we break off and take some questions from our listeners. And one of this week's questions comes from at Rolf Martin Utlin, and he asks, who is your favorite photographer that is still going in both skateboarding and in art? Um, I guess, well, one of my really good friends is is Mike Blayback, 
and his oh man his skate Great. stuff is amazing and uh mm-hmm. i mean it's hard to say just one person but his portraits <laughs> are amazing and everything he takes photos of or he's just so good and and i get a lot of inspiration from him and and he brings me beer so i gotta say all this <laughs> so um no he's just a great photographer there's a few people anthony acosta i think is one of the the oh, greats man. you know that's the, still yeah, shooting the best. i mean those those they don't just shoot great skateboarding they shoot great photos so yeah i, I love those guys and good Good answers. All right, Grant. So my question comes from Nori Lahanda Amari on Instagram, and she says, do you have any favorite female skateboarder photographers? If so, share them. And then she says, I'm a woman, by the way, with the <laughs> rock star emoji. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I've always been ashamed that the skateboard industry is so full of men, you know, mm. male photographers. And I've always wished there were more female photographers. And, uh, the one um, female photographer that I personally know and that I worked with at Transworld and at the Skateboard Mag is Desiree Astorga, who's also married to you know a really great skateboarder, Aaron Astorga. But um, she's probably the best one, and she was shooting Hasselblad and and film, and and then went into digital later. But she does great portraits and lifestyle photos, and and. Uh, her action is really great, and I always tried to have her included in the magazine as much as I could. And, and uh, I awesome. think she's 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 doing mainly. Um, she has a a podcast on uh, about football because she's a full football fanatic. So, oh, that's cool. But she's still around. Yeah. Yeah, we'll great. have to link some of her stuff down. Yeah, I was going to say. Pretty yeah. good. Mm-hmm. All right, now for the the tough question, Grant. So, okay, it's it's the old desert island question. So you can only take one camera with you. And, you know, there is a photo lab there. There's, like, unlimited <laughs> supply of film and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, if you need SD cards or something, it, it really doesn't matter. But if it's a desert island, you can only take one of your cameras with you. What Which one would it be? Like M6. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That was answer. quick. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Next to that, I'd say the Hasselblad. But, yeah. I'm, is the M six nice. is M six like your everyday shooter? That's if I shoot film, that's what I shoot with is the Leica, pretty much. I mean, I only go through a couple of rolls a month. I keep it mm-hmm. with me, and and uh, but it, yeah, it's it's a great camera, and it's the camera I had to have. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I worked my way up to it. First, I got a um, I got a Contax uh, G one. I oh yeah, I love that. It's yeah, my fa- it's one of my good, favorites. It's a great mm-hmm. camera too, and I got that because I couldn't afford the Leica, mm-hmm. and it was just that stepping stone. Like I had that for probably a year or two, and then my friend was selling a, a M6, and I got the M6, and I wanted a black one, but all he had was a mm. silver, and I just I got the <laughs> silver, and then I bought a, a 35 millimeter for it, and and uh, yeah, no, I love that camera. And, I've told my kids never get rid of the Leica and the Hasselblad. Just keep them. They'll yep. last you a lifetime, you know. Mm-hmm. Man, so, so true. So true. So I've, I I think I got the Leica in probably 2001. Yeah, and the great thing about, about Leica is that, that you can still get like your film one serviced. You know, contacts is gone. Like if mine mm-hmm. dies, it's it. Yeah, you can buy them so cheap online. You can just buy mm-hmm. a new camera though. And yeah. my yeah, my life, yeah. my contacts, the battery stays on, so I have to take the battery out each time. Oh no! That I shoot, so and it's kind of a hassle. So, you know, you know, with the Leica, it's kept me from buying other cameras too. When when yeah, other things come out, and I well, like Jason was talking about, what was the RZ sixty seven or the RB? Mm-hmm. I saw an yeah. RB sixty seven at a local camera store with three lenses for like five hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was like nuts, and yeah. and I was like looking at it. I go, should I buy this? And I go, wait, I have a Hasselblad, <laughs> I have a Leica. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Don't, I don't shoot enough with those, so it keeps me from you know, because you know how it is being a, a photographer, and when you have a habit of I need every oh yeah, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. gear and then constant it, struggle, and it sits on a shelf. You know, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, so that kind of leads us into the second half of that question. It's, uh, we have like the, is there is there a white whale? We call it our white whale camera. Is there anything that you are looking at that is still like kind of on your list of cameras that you 
that you've always wanted that you haven't had a chance to have? Uh, I mean, you got two of the greats already. Yeah. So. I'd, I'd maybe like a, a better, well, my 4 by 5 is an old Crown Graphic, and okay. I wouldn't mind like a field camera or something, but not really. And as I'm getting older, I don't need a lot of stuff, you know? I, yeah. I mean, I, I just bought uh, a few months ago, I got the Fuji X100F digital Ooh, yeah, those are great. camera, the rangefinder. And mm-hmm. I love that camera too. It's an it's a beautiful little camera, and it has analog settings. Mm-hmm. You know, the controls are analog, and so it has a feel of of an analog camera. And and uh, it's my kind of walking around photo or camera when I don't want to. You know, like is heavier and bulkier, and mm-hmm. and yeah. I mean, I'll take that. And people don't. It's not a noticeable camera too when I want to shoot street photography and. I've shot skating with it and portraits. And oh, nice. It's a good little camera for mm-hmm. a really good price. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But no, I'm, I'm, I've kind of just stopped buying stuff. I still buy old plastic cameras that I see at garage sales and people give me stuff. <laughs> and I've yeah. got a lot on my desk here. And, and I'm still addicted to cameras. I got my dad's camera. It's an old Argus, I think, Argosy or something mm, from yeah. when we were little kids. That's what he shot our photos with. I've got his movie camera from that did all our our uh, home movies, you know, baby yeah. photos and home movies and everything. And then I've got my grandfather's camera, and I've got my grandmother's camera. So I there's always those little cameras that you ha- that are in your heart, mm-hmm. you know, that have yeah. that yeah. connection. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, I love stuff like that. You know, same, same here. Yep. I love the sentimental everything that has to do with this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this thing, the, the, down to the pictures, the the old family pictures, and you know, yeah. Yep. I hope I hope I get the the eight millimeter stuff when I at some point for my dad, like all my childhood videos of me and the dog and stuff like that. He was when, shooting that on eight millimeter. Oh yeah. Whoa. I mean, I'm <laughs> almost forty, so I mean, I'm yeah, not... <laughs> but but. My, all mine are on VHS, so... See, I think my dad was very, like, artistic, so he was, like, a musician and yeah. shot a bunch of, like, his own little music videos and stuff for... <laughs> so, you know, I think that's why more so he shot it on Super 8 than... Wow, and plus, it was, cool. like, VHS was so damn expensive when it came out. It was ridiculous how much... Even yeah. a VCR was, like, $100 yeah, back when true. they first came out. Yeah. So I only really have, like, one... One more question for you, Grant, before we end this today. Do you have anything coming up, any shows, mm. or you have any book projects or anything like that coming out in the near future? Yeah, I'm uh, working on a book right now. And it, oh, great. Well, actually, it's going to be two books. I was working on a book. I'm working on a book with Thomas Campbell. I don't know if, if you know Yeah, him. yeah. I've heard yeah. of him. He has a, uh, he's an artist and a photographer, and then he did the Ed Templeton books, and Deanna Deanna Templeton's and then French Fred, Fred Mortagna Mm -hmm. uh, did his book and we're working on a book and it was going to be my 40 years of photography. And I'm, and the art director is um, Josh Higgins, who's a really great designer that I know he works. He was, he was on the Obama campaign, did all the online stuff for the Obama campaign. And now he works at, he's one of the head designers at Facebook and creative designers. Not, not on the website, but on everything else they do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, any production stuff he, he works on, he's laying it out. And uh, so it was going to be a 40-year book. And then after looking at all my photos, they go, we got to do two books. One's got to be the, the <laughs> night. That's amazing. So we're doing a 1980s book, which is coming out in uh, hopefully in spring of 2020. And then going to do the 40-year book after that. Man. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on for – took me two years to go through all my photos. I believe it. You know, I believe it. My garage is just full of just bins and file cabinets and of slides and negatives and prints and trying to find certain prints and and then losing them again and, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's just been crazy going through everything. And now I've got everything in my office here in probably three bins of plastic bins of my best stuff. And, Man. Yeah. Did you find anything that you didn't know you had yeah. while you were oh, going sure. through that stuff? Yeah, I found unpublished stuff. Um, oh, man. Because, you know, my, my taste in photography have changed too over 
40 years and mm-hmm. and what's acceptable, you know, by in photography and, and in skateboarding. Things that didn't mean much back when I took them 30 years ago now have this extra validity, you know, the, because they're vintage or, mm-hmm. you know, a person passed away or, right. you know, just, it, I mean, it's just so much more interesting now. Like, I can put up an old photo that nobody saw and people freak out, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you've got all these these fans of photography and of magazines that, oh, I, I had that I had that photo on my wall when I was growing mm. up in high school. I had that poster or, or hey, uh, I've never seen this one before. And I go, yeah, because it's, we never ran it. And then people are like, <laughs> how did this never run in the mm-hmm. magazine? Well, we had a lot of photos and, you know, there's a different flavor back then, you know, and, and, yeah. and now you can, and then with social media, you can just pump so much stuff out there. You know, that's another problem. Mm-hmm, it's the mm-hmm. content. There's so much need for content and a lot of it's not good. You know? yep. A lot of it's crap and it's forgettable. You know, you people still remember covers of magazines and they remember interviews and, oh, yeah. and yeah. center spreads and, and advertisements. And, you know, now it's like it's up for a minute and it's gone and nobody, nobody recalls it. You know, I see... Photos on Instagram that could be, they would have been covers, you know, yeah. 15, wow. 20 years ago. And now they're just like, they're just disposable. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so sad. Yeah. That's so yeah. sad, like how to fast think everything. About, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much photography now. Yeah. Figured, yeah. What is yeah. it like? Three billion photos are shot every day or something. Oh, crazy. Something that's crazy like that. Yeah. And so the people who wow. are making it big w- with photography right now must be pretty good, I think. Um, yeah, and they I have mean, like, to you stand know, they out. have huge production teams and assistants and budgets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, somebody like Art Schreiber. You know, yeah, I was, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> I've gone to hear him speak a couple of times. I saw him speak once too, yeah. And, and I mean, for, I mean, he's at the top of his game or somebody mm-hmm. like Annie Leibovitz or, or yeah. mm-hmm. somebody and you're going... I mean, they made it big in the film days, but yeah. now to be on top, you really yeah. have to have your, you know, crap together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Back when I started, there was no, there was no competition. Now there's so much competition in everything. Yeah. You know? I just said, I just said um, promo cards done up that I'm going to send out to some art directors just because like I'm ready to put my little toe in the game. Yeah. See what happens. You should. <laughs> And you know yeah. what's good about about promo cards now? It's like I quit doing like flyers for shows and stuff mm-hmm. when you know social because of social media. And now it's okay to do something like that because it's analog and it's yeah it, yeah it's, yeah. it's yeah. tactile. You know, you can yep. hold it and you can put it on your wall and 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 so it stands out now. Like a, a few years ago, you, you know, you just didn't do flyers anymore, mm-hmm. and now it's I'm doing silkscreen posters and. Things oh, like that cool. on the side too, you know, just anything that's not digital, you know, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, cool, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. That's why we're here. Yeah. 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 I didn't say that just for you guys. That's what, <laughs> that's what I believe. I mean, I still collect vinyl and, and, mm-hmm. and I, I love being able to feel stuff, touch it and, oh, yeah. and display it. And I save zines. People send me zines and I still save them. Yeah, even me too. Like from the podcast and stuff, we get yeah. some stuff all My the time. My coffee table made... is stacked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's like um, you know, photoeditor.com? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He just puts up everything he gets in the mail, you know, and it's, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people send like little I um I send him some stuff, but I send him some coasters and I send him a postcard and I I think I send him a zine that I did with somebody and yeah, everything's just like little, it's like postcards or little zines or booklets or, you know, which is kind of cool, you know. Man, that is cool. Hi, the tangible. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I'll just, uh, I, I have to say it before we go. Like, I, when you were doing your little slide presentation at the Padilla, like, I was mm-hmm. completely speechless because I've been a fan of skateboarding, you know, my whole life. I grew up with, 
you know, that's what we did in my teenage years to mid 20s until I broke every bone in my body and I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> watching you, you know, just the fact that like, you know, seeing Tony Hawk as a little kid and, yep. you know, you always looked up to like the magazine guys and, you know, the photo, the photographers. And it's just it, it was great getting to meet you in person and getting to see mm-hmm. your your talk and then, you know, getting you on the show. We really wanted to get you on the show. And I just uh, thanks, man. Thanks so much. Oh, for, great, Tim. Thanks for, for doing thanks. what you do. <laughs> that's that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people I'm stuck in a rut. <laughs> I, just, I just I didn't know how to do anything else, so I just did. I kept doing what I did. You know. That's really funny. Kinda I had that. to do it. I think it worked out all right. It did, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah. So where can our listeners check check you out, Grant? Your website, Instagram, Twitter? My Instagram is jgrantbritton, the letter J, Grant Britton. And then my website is jgrantbrittonphotos.com. And that's where I have a gallery on there and a blog. And I don't work on the blog enough. I, sh- I need to add some stuff to it. I'm trying to bring mine back too. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> um, and then I have my shop on there too where people can, ha- you know, uh, order photos and i i actually have some uh, uh darkroom prints i'm selling on there oh, right yeah. now yeah you know it's a portrait of mark gonzalez Nadas coppice and mike bowley and i just went in and made 10 i'm gonna do a 50 eventually and i just made 10 just to, to sell and uh, Ooh, limited edition yeah limited edition you know signed and numbered so that's great Man, and I have awesome. shirts and things like that. I love your logo, by the way. Oh, thank the push one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so good. Thanks. That's that's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a whole different story on that whole shoot too, where it was a cover and every well, I wanted it as the cover, and everybody hated it at the magazine. And it was David Carson, the art director, and I against everyone else, and nobody. You know, wow, that was 19, why? Well, it was 1987. It wasn't peak action. It was black and white. We didn't want any cover blurbs on it. We just wanted black oh, and right, white. Oh, right, right. It was our maybe our first black and white cover. And uh, Todd Swank, the skater, was my assistant. In the, he was my darkroom <laughs> guy and, and, and photographer. And uh, he wasn't a pro skater. And, I mean... It just had a lot of things stacked up against it. And then um, they ran it and half the people hated it and half Jeez. loved it. And now you'd run that and it wouldn't even send up any red flags at all. And right, back, right, right. Back then it was like people were like thinking, what are they doing over there? You know, they were really <laughs> wondering what if we had gone crazy or. Jeez. And then it just became. uh just the norm, you know, nothing, I mean, everything goes now, you mm-hmm. know, like that wouldn't even, people would go, that's pretty tame actually. You know? yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy to think that you're like fighting for like a good, like it's a good shot. It's a great, fantastic shot. And you have to like convince people of that. Like yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I left for a couple of days. I got, I had gotten a, a fight with someone else there and it was pretty insulting. And then I just go, well, <laughs> go ahead do it yourself. And I left for a couple wow. of days and then and then they had to come get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Man, amazing. I love that story. I love That's that. So good. Yeah. And now it's now it's kind of become more one of the most famous photos in skateboarding photography. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Super iconic image, man. Man. So good. I'm not blowing my own horn, but I am. Yeah, no, no you just no. rightfully so. Blow away. That's another lesson for everybody. <laughs> Fight for the shot. Fight for your shot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I was I was surprised they used it as the cover because they were so against it. And I had I had somebody tell me that, you know, uh, well, they asked me, do you want to just do this magazine by yourself? And that's when I said, <laughs> no, but you can do it by yourself. And that's Ooh. when I walked out. Yeah. And, wow. And that was after I worked there for... You know, that was four years into working at the magazine. So, yeah, it's years later, the person came up and said that was one of his favorite covers. (laughs) Of course. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's not what I remember. Um, Uh I hope he started that conversation with, with, I was wrong. 
Uh, no, no, he gave me a box of the magazines oh, wow. that, that he had found in his garage or something. That's awesome. And and now I've lost those. <laughs> oh no! Uh, I have one copy of that magazine. Jeez. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. All right, Timothy, where can everybody check you out? Guys, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Timothy Makeups. I'm also doing YouTube photography-related videos. You can just go to the search bar. It's the easiest way to find it. Just search Timothy.Makeups, and you'll find a bunch of stuff on me. Chris, where are you at? So I'm Crispy Photo on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter and Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. And we have a Facebook page and a group, and that's where Join we are. like. Join and like and share photos in the group. People have been doing that a lot more lately and it's been awesome. So. All right. Awesome. Grant, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been amazing. Oh, sure. We're so happy thanks. to have you. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. Anytime. Hopefully we'll, we'll uh, see you again at the, uh, the next film idea. Hopefully okay. we'll keep our fingers crossed that they do another one. I know. I'll be there. <laughs> me too. Awesome. Yes. Same. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. See you next week. Bye. First off, we want to thank Grant for being on the show. You know, we got to meet Grant back in March for the film photography Padilla in San Clemente, California with the Darkroom Lab. That was a ton of fun. I mean, it was almost like a dream come, well, it was a dream come true for me, you know, being stuck in the middle of the country, getting to fly out to beautiful California. Even though it rained, it was still California. And I got to see the ocean and meet some of my heroes in the photography world and skateboarding, man. It was just all around. Chris and I had such a good time. We did a live podcast, guys. Uh, you should check that out if you haven't listened to it. It's uh, live from the Film Photography Padilla. I'm sure you'll find it. It'll be one of the episodes on our playlist. But Grant, thanks again. Thanks for taking the time. It's it's always awesome getting to hear such like legend stories about how they, you know, got into this. And I don't know, I'm still just like completely jazzed and stoked about this episode. That's going to take us to Patreon. Guys, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Every little bit helps. Chris and I, you know, we put a ton of effort into this podcast. We work super, super duper hard and it is our heart and soul. It is our lifeblood. We live for this thing. And, you know, all the supporters that we have supporting the show, we can't thank you guys enough. And you know, we're welcome to um, have new joiners to the Patreon. So head over there. There's some tiers, you know, anything from $1 to $25. It gets you a bunch of stuff. Check it out. It's patreon.com slash analog talk. Guys, we will see you next week. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.